podcast i'm your host jason uh this is a special edition of the podcast this week i had the opportunity to interview kara spencer who is the uh, older woman of the 20th ward in the city of st louis uh, she's one of the uh, plaintiffs in the upcoming lawsuit uh, against the blues that's preventing the funding for the scott trader innovations that are going through right now so i got to talk to her about a variety of issues uh, regarding not only Scott Trey, but some other kind of regional issues as well. I think it's a really good, uh, informative interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, please uh, give me feedback on it just at our, our Facebook page or on Twitter at Blues Hockey NHL. Or uh, if you want to go ahead and email us, it's Blues Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. I uh, really appreciate it and uh, thanks for listening. And uh, welcome back. So on the phone, I have Miss Kara uh, Spencer from the uh, 20th Ward, uh, Alderwoman. Um, thank you for joining us, Kara. Yep, thanks for having me. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to kind of get into kind of your background a little bit before we get into the background about the uh, Scott Trey renovations. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, about uh, what you're doing in the uh, 20th Ward? <clears throat> Sure. Well, um, I've been the alderman of the 20th Ward for a little over two years now. Prior to that, um, I uh, my degree is in mathematics, and I did mathematical modeling for large companies. Uh, but in the 20th Ward, I've been focusing on development, uh, bringing uh, uh, folks to the neighborhood to kind of rehab our old abandoned houses and trying to really um, stabilize the community. We have a neighborhood that has uh, significant poverty and some uh, significant issues with vacancy, and uh, we're, we're trying to 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 track to tackle that. Okay, and uh, I was like, I guess that's something that inspired you to get into uh, civil service. Yeah, you know, I live in the neighborhood, um, raising my family here, and I recognize that we have a lot of unmet needs, um, especially in our neighborhoods. And so, yeah, exactly, I got involved in politics, just uh, trying to better my neighborhood. Okay. And uh, I guess another guess, like, is guess going out and meeting uh, the people of your uh, neighborhood, is that, like, your favorite thing about being an older woman and kind of being visible in the community? Oh, you know, um, I do like doing that. Um, I also really like the policy stuff. You know, like, as I mentioned, my background is in mathematics. Um, and, you know, we probably, know, don't have many resources at our in our legislative body. And I really like tackling the financials and looking at the numbers and, trying to figure out uh, how uh, we can be the best city we can. Um, the city of St. Louis right now is in a bit of a financial pickle. Uh, we are uh, sitting, um, you know, in a precarious situation, fiscally speaking, and um, I am worried about the future of our city, quite frankly. And so I think really taking a deep dive into the policy issues is my favorite aspect of being an alderman. Great. So, um, I guess for among, like, most of the people who listen to this podcast are blues fans. So I guess among blues fans, um, to, you're pretty much considered, I guess, the woman who doesn't like the blues, which obviously that's a generalization, which is one of the reasons why I want to talk to you is I want to learn more about it because I kind of saw you on Twitter, you know, talking with blues fans and people who were, you know, obviously were not thrilled with the lawsuit that is currently uh, going to be happening in December as scheduled a date to be heard. So I kind of sure. wanted to get into the background and learn more about it, just more for my own uh, knowledge. And I found out a lot more doing research for this interview and stuff. So um, we'll kind of get into what's going on here. So pretty much the Blues back in uh, – the vote was in February of this year, and it was 15 to 12 in favor of funding for the uh, current, I guess, the bill that was uh, presented for the Blues to get over about $100 million dollars. Well, total, that's what it would have been over a 30-year period, I believe, with interest on the bonds that uh, was presented. So, um, well, let's so the um, so the bill that was finally passed. Uh, you're right. So, what that does is it bonds out uh, about 44 million dollars uh, worth of net present value. It bonds it out over it was originally be 30 years. Uh, instead, they uh, 
they increased the capacity out uh, to 2042. Um, excuse me. They, and so there's um, an additional there's, there's additional time on that uh, bond, and um, the repayment of which is about 106 million dollars. So if you think about that, I mean. That is an enormous amount of interest on a, mm-hmm. you know, net present value of 44 million. And that's because the city doesn't really have the money right now. And we've really had to backload those payments. So while the first few payments are around the order of 1.5 million, we've backloaded, uh, payments at the end to be around, uh, 4.5 million dollars. Um, and when you, when you put the debt, when you put the debt at the very end of the payment plan, um, you pay a lot more and interest is always higher at the end of the usually, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And what really is striking about it, um, you know, um, you you probably know that as I mentioned earlier, our budget is not in good shape this last year uh, for this fiscal year. In order to balance the budget, we had to make uh, cuts, seventeen million dollars worth of cuts, um, and that meant that every single department within the city of St. Louis um, saw saw a cut. Um, and, you know, we've seen over the last, you know, year the credit rating of the city of St. Louis go down twice. And, uh, you know, the S&P issued a stern warning that if we take on another debt without an equal uh, reduction in expenditures, we're going to see that credit rating go down yet again. And, I mean, frankly, we just I, we just don't have the capacity to withstand another um, another uh, credit reduction, um, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah, makes it, it makes so, it makes it more difficult for the city to borrow money. It makes it more difficult for us to do um, you know to do to do business as usual. And if we're going to take and pay for upgrades such as the you know the um, the um, scoreboard over thirty over thirty years, um, you know, does that make sense? Is that asset going to be worth that at the end of the payment plan? Is it going to even last through the duration of the payment plan? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, I was, I was digging into this more and just instead of looking at the surface and obviously a blues fan seeing the arena in this shape that it's in and hearing, the, you know, being excited at the, the possibility of being a brand new arena to attract new uh, events to it and such. Obviously, it's a big thing for any kind of fan of uh, you know, sports downtown, and obviously the other stuff is, hap- is definitely going on, and this is a very, you know, extremely minor issue compared to what's going on currently down in the city. So, yeah, uh, and you know, like, I, like I think, I think a lot, I think a lot of people, I think get that. I think a lot of people is just, you know, I think they're just not um, well versed on. Like I think just the last couple of minutes, just listening to you talk, I found a lot more of just was going on, and just you know, I think that's what it needs to be out there. Well, and here's the deal, you know, and it, when we came before the, you know, we were deliberating, right? Um, mm-hmm. We, w- what essentially happened was we took a lease between the city and the ownership, the team ownership, who really has control of the building. Um, and what we had before us, what we were actually doing was altering that the legal, you know, the binding document between those two relationship parties, the city and the and the hockey ownership group. And, uh, you know, when the facility was built, um, it was built largely with private money, and it was done in such a way that the city uh, maintained ownership of the land underneath the building for, the, for, for a couple different reasons. One, uh, we wanted to rebate property taxes. We didn't, we didn't want to – we wanted to say, hey, we'll give you an incentive, we'll give you – we'll cut you a break, and we won't, cut, we won't charge you uh, property taxes. And property taxes on a, on a property downtown like that would be very, very, very significant. And if that was just a privately owned building, you know, it, it would be you would pay a lot in property taxes. We said, look, we'll own the land. You won't have to worry about that. Um, and secondly, uh, we issued the bonds for the private entity and gave them sort of a municipal bond bond, you know, um, uh, interest rate. It was very very low. There was a rebate back then in the 90s. So we 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 offered all that, and um, we also uh, charged nothing in rent of that land. I mean, we, we, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a prime real estate, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, when this, when you have games and you have events and you have infrastructure in the city, the city has to provide police resources. We have to provide lighting. There has to be all these other things that go along with um, having a facility down there. And if you're going to have upgrades 
to a facility, you can you can you can assume that there will be some net benefit to the city. There'll be an increase in tax revenue, for example. But the city only sees a a fraction of the sales tax that comes in through sales tax. I mean, the state of Missouri gets the majority of that. They enjoy the most benefit. We have an amusement tax on tickets right now, but those amusement tax dollars, they don't go to the city. They go to the hockey ownership group uh, because it goes to them so that they, because they upgraded the uh, uh, adjoining Peabody facility. Um, so we don't see any of that money. So the net benefit to the upgrades do not validate the amount of money that's requested to put in. And that is why in the, you know, in the um, bill, what is being pledged is not a net increase, but what's being pledged is general revenue of the city, which is tax dollars outside of what's generated from the facility. And several of us during deliberation said, look, we get it. We want to see the hockey facility upgraded. We want to have the best facility in the world because when we have a top-notch facility like that, we do we can bring in fans, we bring in taxpayers, they contribute to the economy, and hopefully some of them live and move in the city. I mean, that's a great thing for a local municipal economy. That's a good thing. But when the amount of money put into a project is far is, is far exceeded by what the revenues that can be generated are, that's when we have a problem. And especially in an environment where, as you pointed out, we, the city has a lot of issues right now. I mean, we're marching in the streets right now. There's racial inequity. There's poverty. There's all kinds of problems. We were just num- named number one in the country as a city for STDs. And guess what we did last year in order to balance the budget? We cut the health department. We are ill-equipped to deal with the issues that we have right now. And if we start to make even further cuts to accommodate this new debt, which we have shown does not validate, you know, the, the, the increase in sales tax because of these upgrades will not validate the large expenditure, we're going to have to make additional cuts. And my question has always been, where in the budget should we make the cuts? What could we cut? I mean, we're barely picking up garbage in our city right now, and we're not addressing public safety the way we really ought to. And I just, we don't have room to make to make additional expenditures. And the reason for the lawsuit was multi-leveled. I mean, we didn't have the lease before us, um, and 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 there was misinformation presented to the board of aldermen during deliberations, and. You know, I find that to be really um, concerning and uh, cause for a relook at the uh, the bill that we passed. And and so that's why we had the lawsuit. And, you know, to your suggestion earlier that I'm the woman who hates the blues, I mean, I've we've introduced a solution ordinance that not only provides funding, for the upgrades, it specifically and carefully provides funding for all of the upgrades that the Blues have proposed, every one of them. We've accommodated that. And I think that really points to a solution that makes sense for the city and for the region as a whole. The real crux of the problem is not, the question isn't, I mean, to me, the purist in me says taxpayers should never pay for sport facilities. But let's be honest, that happens all over the country, and we want to be um, in line with the rest of the country. I get that. But most municipalities, most major players in these sports arenas, and I don't mean arenas that are arena, I mean like in the, you know, in the region here, have mm-hmm. a really large tax base to pull from, okay? They're, you know, you look at Kansas City, Detroit, they have a much bigger Indianapolis. They just built a new facility. They have a huge tax base. They the city represents one-tenth of the entire municipal region, and we are the poorest of that region. And, in fact, when you look at who visits Scott Trade, 11% of them live in the city. More visitors to Scott Trade live in Illinois. 16% of those visitors live in Illinois. That, and, and more of them live in Illinois than even live in, in St. Louis City. So if we're going to burden people with a small tax increase, it should be the entire region, the people that enjoy the facility. But unfortunately, our fractionated government is such that um, 
we could not, you know, we knew, I mean, the, the lawyer for the Blues was stated during deliberations, look, we've been working on this for two years. We went to St. Louis County. We tried to get them on board. And guess what? They ain't here. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, I did see that doing my research. And like I said, I just, like, and I have just doing my research and everything, trying, I just want to present some questions to you just to, and maybe you can help clear me up because I couldn't find the definite answer, answers on this. Sure. Maybe you can, some of them you've already answered uh, that you've talked about so far. Um, and I guess one of the questions, which you kind of brought up already, was talking about the copy of the lease. Um, and then I guess my question is, um, so I guess I'll do real quick. My background is I do work for a, a municipality in the county. So, and I'm going to, I do accounting work for them. So I kind of have a little bit of a background in doing like a uh, city work. So I kind of know Numbers of, very little. And- yeah, and sure. how things go and stuff. So I mean a little bit. What so municipality? Not, I refer to the city of Pair. Oh, okay. I grew up uh, okay. very close to there. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm, um, very, so I'm very familiar with the Pair. It's a nice area. With the area, yeah. Yes, thank you. So one of the things uh, that I saw, like you said, the copy of the lease uh, wasn't there. So I guess my question is, and maybe you can help me first, why was it been voted on still when there was not enough, I guess, because usually everybody wants to have when they do a vote, usually there's a continuation if they don't have the information in front of them and they push like the next meeting. Was it was there a deadline? Yeah, in place, I mean, or, you could, okay. well, you know, yeah, I mean, so that's an excellent question and one that I am still to this day just incredulous about because I mean, we should a deliberative body, a legislative body, even a negotiating body should never, under any circumstance, be negotiating or signing contracts or you know making deals. Um, and moving forward without the underlying contracts before them. And, and I mean, to this day, I cannot even fathom why we passed that without those. I mean, it should be illegal, and I hope to make it illegal in the future. That's my goal. I mean, we should just mm-hmm. never be doing that. Um, and, it, it, you know, I have to tell you, this bill went before the uh, Ways and Means Committee, four separate meetings, and in every one of those meetings – one of my colleagues asked for the lease, and it was never presented. The Board of Aldermen continued to ask for those documents, and they were not provided. It's my understanding that the lease was provided to one member of the Board of Aldermen prior to the vote getting back on the full floor, um, but it wasn't presented to the full board. I didn't have access to it. I had requested it. I didn't get it. And so on, when we're finally debating it, it was a point I made. We should not be passing this without understanding the full, what, what the underlying agreement was. Now, the lawyer for the Blues um, clearly had that document because he spoke about it um, at several hearings. And, in fact, what he said was the lease is silent on the issue of upgrades, okay, and, and, and maintenance. And so the Board of Aldermen trusted that lawyer's perspective. This is a lawyer that comes down here very often and speaks to the board and, and, and people know him. So they, I think the reason why they were felt there was a level of comfort in proceeding without that document is because the lawyer described it to them. Now, he described it incorrectly, and what he stated was not true. The lease was not silent on that issue, and in fact, it clearly showed where the responsibility lies, and those documents are now public, but uh, they were not at that time. So there was a level of trust in that legal representation um, that allowed my, you know, my colleagues to feel comfortable moving forward without it. Now, I think, to your point, we should never do that, and I think that the Board of Aldermen and the City of St. Louis uh, shoulders some shame in that, in my opinion, um, and we should never do that again. Um, but that being said, it, uh, there was a lawyer describing it, and um, unfortunately for us, it was not described um, accurately. Okay. And that is why. Oh, you go ahead and you finish. Go ahead. Well, and that's why I think we should. That's why we should be revisiting this contract. Okay, and uh, another thing that, um, like I said, my background being in um, for why I do work for Pro City, the pair is uh, um, recently they bought a. In my example, we bought a fire truck, so every okay. ten years they budget they budget out, and then they we put away X amount of dollars because they know in ten years one of the fire trucks is going to be not obsolete, but you know behind on the times, 
is yeah, those, because those fire trucks because, have it, like like a twenty seven year life, right, or something like that. Correct. It? They have about yeah. yeah. So we have we have a backup. One goes to the backup, and one goes to active service. So I guess my question is, in the capital fund, we put X amount of dollars away, and that's considered in the budget. And as talking to you, obviously, you said you were having budgetary constraints as it is. Was this not something that was not in in the budget just because the city didn't feel they were in they were responsible for the upgrades, or was it something that's never been considered to be into considered to be part of the budget for the capital fund? Yeah, the Scott Trade facility was never considered part as part of a budgetary item in the in the capital fund ever, to my knowledge. And I think I think you're right. I mean, you, know, you point to exactly why we had no obligations to upgrade the Scott Trade facility. Period. Um, and so we had no reason to include that in our in our in our capital improvement plan. Um, and uh, the, what what passed in February was a shift from uh, a shift of responsibility from the private sector to the public sector. And uh, and now, of course, we have to include, I mean, now, of course, it's presumed, I should say, that uh, with the ordinance that we would, uh, we would absorb that new debt. Um, and I think that's a real problem. I mean, to your, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that uh, a municipality like Repair plans to replace their fire trucks. We don't. Uh, we don't. We haven't even accommodated that. Uh, the vast majority of our fleet, I think, and I could be mistaken here, but I think 80% of our fleet is past its lifespan, and we have mm-hmm. no way to replace them. None. Yeah. And yeah, that's, you know, that's something that I just know, considering that that's budgeted out. But obviously, you said there's been budgetary constraints for we we, we have no way for the last two them. years. Yeah, so I mean, least, so that's why I mean that's one of those things when I thought about it I figured obviously reading that the budget has been one of the reasons that um obviously it's the the bond would not fit into the budget the bond payments which just causes everything and you're already yeah. cutting stuff as it is I figured this is probably not in the capital fund but I just wanted to check just to make sure. Yeah, we had a we had a vote we had a we had a bond initiative that failed at the ballot box that would have increased our property taxes to you know buy new fire trucks. It failed. We didn't get it passed. Um, and that kind uh, of, and I, I kind of segue into that too, which doing more research, I've seen a lot of fans online saying, well, instead of leaving it up to um, the board of uh, aldermen and all the women who were going to vote on this, leave it to the people. But that is, that is actually illegal, if I'm correct, that um, you cannot bring improvements for a building that's built after uh, two th- or it has to be after 2004, if I'm correct, on my research that was passed. I believe there's a lawsuit, but then it was dropped back in June. Well, that, I, I, that, I that you, you can't, you can't have you? that. You can't have the like there can't be a vote like you had for earlier for like the, let's say for the MLS stadium. You can't have a vote for funding from the city uh, unless the building was built after 2004. Since the Scott Trail was built back in '95. It's exempt, so you it can't be brought for a vote to the city. If I'm correct, um, you know those, that's a that is a detail of that specific statute that I'm not familiar with. I I, I mean I don't know the ins and outs of that uh, specifically. What our lawsuit alleges, however, is that um, under state under our state constitution, municipalities under the state of Missouri and St. Louis is one of them. St. Louis City is municipalities cannot grant uh, public money taxes to private enterprise, private business enterprise. And that is what we've alleged. That is precisely what we've done here because the, the, the public interest, while we, we receive, um, ancillary benefit, i.e. sales tax from Scott Trade, we receive no direct benefit. We don't get ticket prices, ticket sales. We don't get, um, naming rights, you know, these sort of things. I mean, you know, and, 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 and to your question or your assumption earlier that the city owns the building, um, I think, you know, that is not, uh, what the city owns is what's called a bare legal title, uh, which means that the, that the building does revert to city ownership at the end of that title. But during the entirety of that lease, uh, we have no rights to the building and no control over it whatsoever. And in fact, the hockey ownership has full control and um, set a very, very broad lease, so much so that the assessor's office, the St. Louis City Assessor's Office, uh, when you look at the ownership of that parcel, 
has two part two pieces of property lo- listed on that. One is the land, and the city owns that, and all improvements and buildings built upon it are owned by the Blues. So, um, so yeah, so the so the the hockey uh, ownership group you know, owns those improvements, owns the building, and um, you know, and they own all the rights. They have, you know, when the naming rights come up, when that contract's up in 2021, which is, by the way, just around the corner, they renegotiate the name of that facility. They will get the proceeds of that. The city yeah, uh, that was one of the questions that. I have written down because since uh, Scott Trade has been bought out and the uh, TD Ameritrade has uh, publicly said that they plan to own no naming rights of any um, stadium, so that would include the car Scott Trade. So I was curious if, like, obviously, is that just for whoever, uh, that'd be just the Blues? Is that split or is it? Yeah, so that was one of the questions I had. Yeah, I mean, you know, up. you think, yeah, no, they would get 100% of the naming rights. And here, you know, here's here's the crux of it. You have a building, uh, and the city has been a great partnership. I'm not saying, hey, listen, charge the Blues rent. I'm not saying, hey, charge the Blues um, property tax. I'm saying, look, um, the, we 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 are a partnership. We give them. We rebated back the entirety of the amusement tax. We um, rebate back all property tax. All you know, we do a lot. What and what in turn the blues get? They 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 charge a facility fee, a three dollar and fifty cent facility fee on every ticket. Okay, and they keep that. And their lawyer was clear in the business journal last week. This is. Uh, income that go that adds to the revenue stream. That those are the words he used, if I remember correctly. That three dollar and fifty cent is part of the revenue stream. And my charge is: look, if you want the city to upgrade the facility, and and you expect to keep the facility fee you, you charge and the naming rights of the facility you want us to upgrade, that's ludicrous. Especially if we have to go into debt to do so. We are not in a position right now. You know, the pair where you work and where I hope maybe you live, I don't know, you have it, you enjoy a very broad tax pace. Property taxes are very healthy, um, and you don't have a lot of vacancy. All of your infrastructure is full. You have a good capacity of, of, of people living there. You don't have people living in poverty who are unable to contribute to the fiscal health of your municipality. Uh, you don't have crime that uh, you're overworking your police department. The city has the region's poverty. We have the region's uh, social ills. And we are saddled with dealing with that with a small tax base, a much smaller property tax base than what you enjoy in De Pere. And we cannot cover the region's entertainment. We cannot subsidize the entertainment for the much wealthier regions surrounding us. It is impossible to do. And it's, and frankly, I think it's wrong. I think it's, I think it's morally wrong to do. We have got to figure out a way for the region to pay for it. And like I said, it was brought to my attention through those deliberations that St. Louis County was asked to come to the table. It appears that they did not want to come to the table. And, and therein lies the problem. How do we create a regional solution then if the county's not willing to come to the table? And again, we have so many fans living in, in the Illinois side now. If we were going to create a regional tax space, that included, you know, the 16% of fans who live in Illinois, to do a bi-state taxing district would quite literally require an act of Congress to achieve. This is, an, this is practically impossible, and it's certainly difficult under the timelines that the Blues want to have the funding to, to upgrade the facility. Recognizing that, We've got to move, we've got to come up with a solution faster and one that makes sense. So my solution is to simply take that facility fee that the Blues are already charging and put it into a fund specifically and only for the use of the facility. And believe it or not, that facility fee will precisely cover the cost of the upgrades. So why wouldn't we just do that? So, so I guess the other thing is, I had reading, I had a confused. I thought it would be an additional. It would take three dollars and fifty cents, I believe it is, for three dollars, well, whatever it is. So, it would be additional on top of what they charge facility fee, or would it be just well, turning the facility look, fee the into what The Blues keep all the money they charge for ticket sales and whatever. If they choose to segment out some of their revenue into something they're telling their fans is a facility fee, 
all that money, the ticket price and what they're calling a facility fee goes into the same pile of revenue for them, okay? Whether they're telling their fans it's for facility or not, it goes into the revenue stream. And that was clear, that was clearly stated in the business journal by their lawyer, by their legal representation. And so if they want to enumerate out some of their revenue into something, they could call it a facility fee, they could call it a lighting fee, hell, they could call it a, you know, trash pickup fee. They can call it whatever they want. They just collect it. It's not a tax. It is something that the Blues self-impose and choose to tax to charge their customers. Mm-hmm. And my point is that if you're going to charge something that's called a facility fee, it should go into the facility, especially if you're asking the city, somebody else to pay for its upgrade. Do, you mean, do we have, like, the, are the Blues, are you asked in the, during the lawsuit, have you asked for them a breakdown of what they are doing to the facility, like, with that fee, but obviously before the upgrades? Because according to yeah, what I so, saw, that now you say 95% of the building has not been upgraded. Only 5% in the blues have courting. Like I said, well, I know, isn't that crazy? What I've seen out there, it's too. But according to what I've read, that they, you know, they put in over uh, like 200 million dollars into facilities since it's opened. Okay. Well, so I'm I mean, dumb. That's so that's, I, mean, and, and I agree with you. I've heard conflicting information. So before us. Their facility manager came to the Ways and Means Committee and said, we had done nothing as far as upgrades. We barely kept the thing going. We just do bare minimum um, maintenance. So, I mean, is that what they're – I mean, I have no idea what they're using the facility well, for. Well, because the problem – like, just seeing, seeing the upgrades and watching the videos that they, you know, put out and the, the interviews that they've done, for example, like, I, I agree that some of the stuff would fall in the blues. Like, I, for example, say – the ice machine that makes the ice. That's obviously something very specific for what the Blues use. So the, that, right. why that has not been upgraded since 95, I don't know. That's I, I find that very odd. And well, now I mean, they have a new ice, and then in front of the ice. Yeah. And if you you're know, charging so I, so I understand that. And, you know, you got $9 beers. I mean, how can you not figure out a way to keep the facility in good use? I mean, anybody who rents a commercial storefront knows that a triple net lease uh, will require that the renter pays for the upgrades and upkeep of literally everything in the building. Most triple net leases require that you pay the insurance, you pay the taxes, you can pay everything. That's the way commercial mm-hmm. leases run, and the, and and especially when you're able to capitalize on your consumer by charging them $100 to get in the door, $10 for a soda when they're in there, there is there's a lot of revenue potential there. And there really ought to be a way, I mean, when you're paying your ticket price, don't you think that some of that money should go into the seat that your butt's sitting in? I mean. Possibly. I, like, I don't, the thing I want to point out, I'll just point out, just, just, be devil's, just be devil's advocate on everything, just for something that I, like, I credit the ownership with doing is also keeping ticket prices low, according to the last survey for last season that I have written down, that out of uh, 30 teams, the Blues are 27th in what your average night out for four tickets, four sodas, two hot dogs, and uh, two souvenir hats. And they keep in for parking, and they didn't do parking in this survey. But we're 27th out of 30 teams, meaning we're one of the cheapest, like, entertainment things. So obviously they could. Well, that's uh, great. Devil's then... advocate, they could. So they're trying to – obviously they're keeping prices low so they can bring people to the facility, bring people downtown, bring people to well, spend money that's... downtown. That's well, like I'm just, like I said. That's the devil's advocate ar- argument that that they're at least doing that. I mean, they could sit there and charge for like the regions that you're talking about, like Chicago or Indianapolis or New York. They could charge, you know, to get in this a top seat, for example. Yeah, you know that the NHL has a new team that just opened uh, their doors last night to Las Vegas. Um, okay. To get in the door for theirs, so they're very top seat. Because um, I'm just looking the research, but they're very top seat. Was going for uh, for one hundred twenty four dollars. The wow. for the blues right now, it's it's forty nine dollars. That's great. Obviously, two completely different cities, two completely different things that are going. On. I one hundred percent admit that. But I mean, I think the, also the credit is where do where they do try to keep ticket prices lower. They could jack up ticket prices, and they slowly have been in the last couple of years. So the team has been successful. Well, and I think look, they have the right so, to do that. Well, look so. There's room to grow, and you know a lot of other t- a lot of other teams um, have facility fees and other taxes included. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of cities have uh, these sport facility fees. Sport facilities uh, have, 
you know, little uh, fees on them, 10, 15%. So there's room for us to collect that from the ticket, the ticket payer. And I think that's a really good, uh, I think you bring up a really good point. With the ticket prices low, we can absorb a little additional fee. And that's a good thing. And I think that we, that's a perfect regional solution to go in to pay for the upgrades. Um, you know, barring, a, a, a St. Louis County or other municipalities participation, we're going to have to do something that doesn't make the city go broke. Because, I mean, my question goes back to the blues. I mean, look, unless we, you can identify $106 million of cuts in the city services that can accommodate this, uh, we'll see a downgrade in credit, which will be bad for our overall region's economy, and it will hurt the city. And plus, we'll have to find those cuts anyway. You know, we we have the city of St. Louis right now in our general, um, in our, like, sort of our savings account, what you call your reserve fund, we have 1.3% of our operating budget, $12 million. And by the way, we've spent 20% of that in the last three weeks in police overtime for the protests. We are not sitting in a place where we have wiggle room. We are going to have to make cuts to make this happen. And we simply don't have places to cut. And without the region, the other municipalities around willing to buck up and participate, it should, it's just not going to happen. We cannot subsidize those, continue to subsidize those tickets and subsidize them even further. Because when those ticket prices are low, it's, you know, part of that is because they pay no rent. They pay no um, property tax, and they're not paying into the local economy that is policing the area, that's keeping lights on, that provides roads and access to get to the facility. There's a lot that the city has to do to even accommodate having a facility down here. It's, I, I realize that it brings taxpayers in, but it also brings a liability, and it also brings an obligation for the city to provide municipal services to the fans that come down. And I think that's a good thing, but there needs to be a balance. And it needs to make sense. And the point is that the, the, the bill that passed didn't rely on incremental uh, income to the city. If it had done that, if it had said, look, we are going to rely solely on the incremental value that these upgrades will provide the city of St. Louis, I would have said, well, I don't really like using taxes for sports facilities, but I will swallow this one. But it didn't. What it did was take from general revenue, general revenue, and that we we just simply don't have it. And when you have to take general revenue to subsidize the upgrades, we're hurting a city that is already so strapped. I mean, we're on the brink. We're sitting on a precipice. And on the other side of it is bankruptcy. So I guess that kind of leads into my next kind of question, which I've seen a lot of people bring up online. So um, I wanted to – I did a little research, and I also – I couldn't find the exact number, uh, but maybe you can point me in the right direction. So a lot of people talk about the parking revenue. That's, like, the big thing I've seen a lot of people bring up. So um, is the parking revenue considered a, like, a very – something that, that could be used towards this? Um, I saw an article that the city treasurer said that she would like to use the parking revenue and also part of the debt reserve fund to save improvements. And a quote, she said, this project could have been have financial benefit for both the city and treasurer's office. And that was back in uh, June, and that was on uh, the Post-Dispatch website. So is that a possibility, or is that kind of changed? And I, I don't know if her well, position has changed. I couldn't find anything about that. I just all I could find from her on that. Yeah, so it's my understanding, I can't speak for the treasurer, but um, the city, the, um, the, the treasurer has taken that um, opportunity off the table. Um, and, you know, the, you may know that, um, you know, the city, the treasurer's office is, operates outside of ready, the regular city government. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the treasurer's office has its own budget. It takes in parking revenue. And then it gives the city a portion of that. Uh, but by and large, you know, the treasurer's office keeps the parking revenue and that's a whole separate issue. But, um, she, and there is some rebate back to the city, but whether or not she, the parking revenue could be used for this is something that's a question for the treasurer. And it's my understanding that that offer is no longer on the table. And I can't really speak to why because I, I don't know the answer to that. 
Okay, because I just, like I said, I couldn't find a follow-up on that. And then yeah, I mean, in the same question, I go, well, hey, where's St. Louis County on it? You know, where are all these other solutions? Uh, So I'll spin into my next question then. Um, So that's something that's also not been kind of followed up on, at least least officially in my eyes, um, was the state contributing money. I believe the number I had is like uh, they were looking at $6 million a year possibly being contributed. I know uh, Governor Eric Greitens is very against using public funds for stadiums. That's about as much I can find on that issue. I don't know if it's sitting somewhere and possibly being deliberated or if that's just something that's not even on the table right now. You know, I don't think it's on the table, um, and I think it's a shame. The city benefits from is sales tax, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the city, but the city gets a small part of the sales tax. When you look at how uh, the how sales tax actually breaks down, what you pay, the state gets uh, about four point two two percent. 4.2, of, of all of, of, you know, on, on every dollar spent. The city gets mm-hmm. 2.4, a little less than, a little more than half of what the state gets. The state gets a tremendous benefit from having all, you know, all the sales, you know, generated from any facility. And they're contributing nothing to the fund, nothing to the upgrade. Mm-hmm. And they get, yeah. compl- they're, they're let completely off the hook. And, What's unfortunate is that clearly the state decided they didn't want to play ball. Clearly the, the county and the surrounding municipalities decided they didn't want to play ball. And it was just like, well, it's in the city, so screw them. The city has to pick up the slack for all the other failed governmental taxing entities that also benefit from having it where it is. And that is just simply not possible. You know, not only will this strap us, but this will completely prevent us from even having the discussion of MLS. How could we possibly take on additional debt for that? It's it it doesn't would make it it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, that was the question I had there. I had a couple more questions, and I'll let you go. So thank you for spending so much time with me. I, I really appreciate it. So um, this is something that I kind of thought, and I didn't know. Like obviously, I don't believe you said a lot. You've only been in uh, for two years, so I didn't, you might not have been around for this kind of for this vote. Um, or when it happened was when the whole issue with the St. Louis Rams or now Los Angeles Rams, obviously, uh, being in town <laughs> is, do you think there is like a residual effect of like not wanting to, uh, I guess you guys would say maybe play ball with a sports team compared to seeing what happened with the Rams? Like we were ready to contribute over $150 million and build a billion dollar stadium downtown. And it seems like compared to the Rams, I think the Blues ownership is completely different. Uh, obviously the Rams have an ownership that didn't really want to be here and pretty much plan their exit for three or four years. But, you know, I don't think you know, so. Is I mean, there, do you think I, there's I think a fact where it's kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to sit there and screw around with another uh, sports team because we saw what happened last time. Obviously, I don't think, I think you may or may not have been in, uh, been uh, elected by then. I'm not sure because the Rams obviously did the second year they've been gone. So maybe, yeah. maybe not. But, um, but yeah, obviously, I didn't know if that's like even you know a possibility that maybe some people felt scorned by that and you didn't want to possibly see another team like take public you know, funding I, or try to you know bleed quote unquote bleed you dry for whatever they could you know just to keep a team in town. Yeah, I mean you know I don't think I think that the um, city felt school, you know pretty screwed over by the by by the Rams and by Stan Kroenke, but I don't think that the city has ill will towards sports. In a general sense, look, we're he, we're a cardinal city. I mean, we're baseball town, right? And I think people mm-hmm. um, can look beyond that. And I think you know we had our feelings hurt because, frankly, Stan Kroenke was a jerk to us, and we were a, we were very good to the Rams. Um, but and I think people enjoy sports. Sports are good for cities. I mean, they really are. I'm, I I don't hate the Blues, and I certainly don't hate having uh, the Cardinals or other sports here. But um, I've got to look at the best interests of the city, and I think. Uh, taxpayers were a little turned off by it. Um, you know, voters at the ballot box, you know, we saw MLS, people in the city that, you know, when people realize that their garbage isn't being collected correctly, I mean, we've, half of our city garbage trucks are out of commission every given, any given day because we haven't included them in the capital fund. We, we, we have a public safety crisis, um, on our hands. We, you know, we continue to have some of the highest murder rates in the entire 
uh, world, not just the country, the world, um, you know, we have needs that are being unmet. And um, the idea that these sports facilities pay for themselves is, is um, it, it, it's furious at best. And I think uh, that the taxpayers really feel it because we pay for services that we are unable to provide. And I think that really comes down to the fractionated government system, you know, where we have wealthier municipalities surrounding us that have high tax bases, have a lot of money, and um, don't deal with the social ills that the city has, um, is saddled with spending their tax dollars on. And um, until we find more regional solutions to these things, I think that city taxpayers, anyway, are a little bit are a little bit um, frustrated with having to pick up the tab. Okay, Uh, I guess I got three more things, and one just came to my mind because something I'm going through currently is the city expecting to see a boost in the tax due to the Amazon tax, as it's been called, since Amazon has been taxing people. It gets distributed to the state, and then it gets funded down from there. Is the city anticipating any kind of bump there or not really? Yeah, I haven't heard any numbers there. I'm sure there'll be a bump, but, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. I mean, certainly not having the Rams here is hurt. Um, and, you know, so. Okay. Um, and then two more things, and I'll let you go. So, once again, thank you for your uh, spending so much time with me. Uh, I guess one other thing that I see, I like, I try to gauge the people and see what people are talking about to, so to prepare for this interview. And one thing I kind of look towards is people off to our west here in Kansas City, you kind of touched on it before with the Sprint Center. Um, you said, obviously, the bigger tax base, and that's one of the things, excuse me, maybe why um, I just saw that this year they upgraded their Wi-Fi, and they also got a new scoreboard this year, and they've also done this with no major anchor tenant. So is there some kind of um, – and they've used public money and a mix of, of private and public. It's been – I haven't found the exact numbers, but they've – but um, they Can you say that use they both. have a – They do public and private. It's, it's both – I believe they use public funding and private funding to run the facility. And the facility is considered one of the top-notch facilities, and it's probably better than the Scott Trade, honestly, from what I've gathered – and well, they fill the building. Yeah, they fill the building. Yeah, they fill the building. They're almost 200 dates a year, which is on par with Scott Trade. And the Scott Trade has 41 dates a year for Blues games, if not more for if you include playoffs. Um, and then one of the reasons that, according to the article that they had um, out at the Kansas City Star, is that they want to keep it as a top-notch facility, and that's what brings in um, the Big Ten. That brings in you know different college. Uh, one of Helder uh, tournaments there, like the NCAA, has had the number of rounds one and two there for the last several years. It's considered a top-notch facility. Um, is there like a template maybe we can use that Kansas City uses? That we, there is a mix of using the private fund and then maybe a little bit of public funding as well. Is that on the table possibly, or is that something I don't have exact what exactly what it is? Unfortunately, is that something maybe we can look at it as a role, maybe almost like a role model for what we could use for the Scott Trade Center? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a great, I think that that's a, a great concept. Um, and frankly, uh, what I've proposed in a way, um, allows for a fund specifically for private investors to access some of the tax dollars, some generated from a sports and entertainment facility. Um, what I, the, the solution I've created, you know, just puts a small tax on those tickets puts it into a fund essentially and allows the Scott Trade folks to access it and then also provides a vehicle for MLS or any other top-notch uh, sporting and entertainment facility to access those funds and any funds they their, their facilities would generate. I mean, I think, um, you know, we've got to create uh, vehicles for private investment in our city. Right now it's very nebulous. I mean, they're all these very one-off. You know, how, who can come forward and try to negotiate with the city of St. Louis? It's very difficult um, because we have a regional structure. You have to coordinate with St. Louis City, St. Louis County, everybody else. And I realize that that's a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But that's something that our economic development uh, corporation should be looking at. Um, but these, the idea of doing a public-private partnership is, is it's not a bad one. And I think it's something that we should we should we should be exploring. Okay, and then I got a. I guess one more question uh, that I kind of thought about. If, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, do you think uh, the building, as before the upgrades, 
do you think it would have been considered a viable building to bring in uh, events if there was no major anchor tenant there? Well, look, I mean, I, the research I did looking at uh, arenas worldwide, we were still like in the top 100 in the world. Um, I mean, it wasn't like the Scott Trade Center was falling down. I, but I do, I mean, I agree that the upgrades are a good thing and will increase the the ability of St. Louis to attract some of those events. But I'm not a an event expert. But I do, you know, I mean, certainly uh, we the, the the upgrades are a good thing. The question just becomes. How do we pay for them? And, you know, um, do we take out of our property tax base uh, to do that? And I, I just don't I just don't think it validates it. I mean, certainly it's good for the region, but if it can't pay for itself, it can't pay for itself. And therein lies the problem. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for spending so much time with me and giving me a lot of information to uh, go over and kind of consider and sure. kind of open up some, uh, you know, new lights, you know, because obviously there's so much – you try to find yeah. so much out, and unfortunately, sometimes it's watered down or just not put out there. So I appreciate uh, you yep. doing this to kind of open my eyes up a little bit just so I can consider what's out there. And, uh, you know, thank you for working with me on getting this interview set up. Um, if people want to get hold of you on, do you mind if we have your Twitter uh, handle out there? Would that be okay? Yep, yep. go for it. Okay. Uh, so what will your Twitter I'm doing is Kara Spencer FTL, I believe? Yep, that's it. Okay, so perfect. So, so once again, thank you very much for your time. and. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see how things progress from here. And uh, I think I believe it's December is when the trial date is set for your, uh, yeah, the current that's lawsuit. that's right. Okay. And, and, and hopefully, uh, before we get to that point, we can all agree on a, a regional taxing structure, a, a solution that will get us uh, to where we need to be uh, without, you know, that, without that. And that's my hope. Okay. As, as, has, uh, has it been any, um, I guess, uh, olive branch extended on either side for that? Have you, has Blues talked yeah, to the I mean, well, county? I, 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 have, extended, have they... I extended the olive branch. I've introduced the legislation. I'm waiting for the phone call. Um, clearly, I'm easy to find. Um, you know, if you can do it, anybody can. I'm not hiding under a rock. And, you know, I've got uh, some, um, I've got quite a, quite good support on the board uh, to get this, this solution ordinance passed. And I think at, at this time, uh, as we're really feeling the crunch of our uh, budget, um, you know, we're going to see um, we're going to see some some support for it. And certainly, I've gotten just an incredible amount of feedback, positive from the community. So thank you for looking out for our best interests. We are fans of the Blues too, uh, but we can't go broke uh, putting in a scoreboard. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. So thank you. Thank you once yep, again. Thanks. All right, have a good night. Bye.